This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome to the inaugural episode of Michael and myself taking on the Laravel News Podcast. In case you missed the last episode, Michael and I feel very privileged and very very honored to be able to give back to the community uh, in this way, which is by being passed the torch from Eric and Jack and taking over the Laravel News Podcast. So in honor of having our first episode, we figured what better way to kick it off than to have the creator of Laravel on the show with us. So this morning, Taylor graciously woke up at 7 a.m. and uh, is on the podcast with us this morning. Taylor, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Congrats on the uh, the new show. Thanks. Yeah, this is a big deal for us. Michael, it's, uh, I mean, yeah. Michael, I have to give credit where credit's due. Michael <laughs> is the one who is hustling, getting Eric to, uh, you know, even consider this. So, Striking backroom deals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. International International deals, that's what it is. Yeah, he all of a sudden messaged me on uh, Telegram one day and was like, hey, uh, would you be interested in taking over Laravel on this podcast? I'm like, yes, yes, I would. How did you do this? Oh, I thought so, he was yeah, going to send you one message that says, we have the podcast, period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's pretty exciting. We're really excited. And I would be, uh, I think I posted on Twitter, I said, I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous because there's so much stuff to cover, especially this episode. Nothing like being thrown straight into the fire. I mean... We're talking over Laravel 5.4 and all of the features that have come to it, which there is just a ton. I was looking through the change log and it's like three pages. You know, it's just huge. So we're going to do our best to get through it all. Before we do that, though, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of the challenges or favorite features you had in 5.4, a couple of things about uh, adding new team members to the Laravel crew and how that's going. So let's just jump right into it. So obviously you've been developing 5.4 for a while since the middle of this summer. And I know if you had to pick your favorite feature from 5.3, if I had to guess, I would probably say it's Echo. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's definitely accurate. I love Echo with all my heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Passport has been pretty amazing too. I know that, Michael, you were kind of having some woes trying to deal with that exact same situation, yeah. right? I mean, but you're on 5.2 or 5.1? We were on 5.1, so we didn't have the luxury of just installing Passport and getting on with our lives. So we had to figure out how to retrofit that, that 5.3 goodness into our 5.1 app, which is now on 5.2, by the way. So we're moving up in the world. Jason McCreary's uh, Laravel shift made that so much easier for us. <laughs> Nice. It was really funny because it was literally like a list of here are the challenges that Passport solves. And Michael was on Twitter like, how do I do this? If I'm trying to authenticate my front end to, you know, to an API, how do I get a token to do this and, and whatever? So it was it was yeah. quite humorous. I was like, this has been solved in 5.3. Just do a couple shifts. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Passport was definitely the, uh, the user favorite. You know, I think it was more popular than Echo with um, as far as like installs and actual usage. But it's definitely convenient if you're building OAuth for sure, because that's a real pain to set up. And really, is Passport sort of like a precursor to, uh, not a precursor, is it a prerequisite to Echo? No, they're sort of orthogonal. They're not really, you don't have to use one with the other or 
like that. Is that what you meant? Or Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. I didn't know if having to, I, I suppose they are handling different situations. I was just thinking like the front end authenticating with the back end, but depending on how you have your route set up, it could, it could, you know, make no difference if you have passport set up when you're using echo. Yeah, sure. Yep. Cool. Uh, well with that, with echo being your favorite feature in five, three, moving forward into five, four, what's the thing that you're most excited about to see released and ready to go in Laravel five, four? Uh, honestly, the thing I was most happy about was not even really a user facing feature. It was how I just thoroughly read through all the code and cleaned it all, all up internally. I feel like that just made me, um, sleep a lot better at night because I sort of cleaned up the whole code base, found anything that looked confusing. Like a really good example is the uh, paginate method in the uh, database mm -hmm. query builder. Internally, it was kind of funky because when you paginate something at first we have to count. If, if you're doing a quote length aware paginator, which is when you just call paginate, where we're going to show you that little slider of all the pages and sort of if you're in the middle, it has, you know, the middle section of pages and like a dot dot and the last two pages when you show the links and that kind of thing and next mm -hmm. and previous. Yep. To do that, to count all the results, we have to like, we can't have an order by on the query. So we have to slap, slice that off the query and we can't have a few other things on the query either. And so we like manipulated the query, ran the count, and then sort of reconstructed it back. And it was just all just super confusing. And so I cleaned that up a whole lot. And, uh, and other, other parts of the framework that were confusing, I just tried to make more readable because I felt like if I was having trouble reading them, then other people were definitely going to have trouble reading them because I'm the one that originally wrote them, I mean, right. more or less. So that just, I really am, ha am happy with how that turned out because... I think it just sets the framework in a good foundation for the next few years because it had been a few years since I had done that. And, you know, stuff just accumulates through pull requests and community contributions that are good, but they just sort of accumulate and things need to be organized a little bit to sort of account for all the changes that have happened. And I think this just sort of reset us on a good foundation of code quality in the framework itself. Other than that, uh, Dusk was fun to work on. Um, I think it's going to be really good for apps that don't have any tests at all, and it would be very hard to refactor them to have like actual unit tests or, or feature tests because they're just too big or too messy right now, and you don't really have time to refactor everything to make it easy. And I think Dusk lets you at least put some sort of sanity checks around the app where, okay, I can log in, I can do the basic functionalities of the app in the browser. So it's okay for our customers to use this app or whatever. Right, right. Um, and, you know, I think it's sort of a supplemental testing tool that's that hopefully is going to be useful for people. Yeah. So for Dusk, that's what I was, I was thinking about the other day is I was trying to figure out like you, you wouldn't do this TDD style, right? You're not going to like write your test first yeah. with Dusk. And, I mean, you'd be changing it all the time, right? You kind of want to like get your UI set up how you want and then you're going to write the test to kind of prove that it's working as you want it, right? Whereas like TDD, obviously you're going to like write the unit test, make it fail and then write the code to pass. I feel like with the front end, it's more like designy. Right. So it's going to yeah. change a lot before you arrive at a spot where you say like, okay, this is what I want it to do. This is how I want it to work. And then you would at that point implement your dusk tests. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think so. Have you had much feedback with people using five, four kind of the backwards break with, I guess that's what you'd call it. Right. I mean, I don't, 
Mm-hmm. I don't want it to sound bad to say like it breaks tests, but it's just the fact that you're using a different driver. You're not using Symfony's browser yeah. kit driver and now you're using Chrome's uh, web driver or whatever it is. Yeah, I was pretty conscious of that when I put out 5.4. That's why I kind of extracted that browser kit stuff into the um, browser kit testing package. And I wanted to make sure that you can run all your 5.3 tests side by side with your new 5.4 tests. So you can kind of make a slow migration because... You can leave your 5.3 test in place, install the browser kit testing package, and maybe put all those tests in like a separate folder. I don't, I don't know. You don't have to, but that's just an idea so that you can kind of segregate them. And then you can install Dusk and use all the new 5.4 stuff entirely separately so you can run them side by side and sort of slowly like migrate test over if you want to or just leave them in place and write all new tests with uh, all your new tests in the 5.4 style. So, but I wanted to make that possible because it really wouldn't be that great to sort of break everyone's test with yeah, no yeah. option except to rewrite all the tests. So, yeah. I wanted to definitely make sure you could run those side by side if you had to. Yeah, no, I think um, just just having that. It seems like there's a there's a big push. It started with five three, and it seems to be continuing along now, where there's a a big push to make Laravel to be as easy to test as possible, and to get as much coverage in that testing as possible. Is that that's obviously been a conscious decision on your part, Taylor? Yeah, for sure. I've tried to find a lot of the places that I didn't feel like were easy to test, and there's still at least one that comes to mind that I would like to make easier in five point five. Um, but yeah, it started in five point three. I think five point three had the introduction of the fakes where you can say like event fake, mail fake, notification Mm -hmm. fake, that kind of stuff. And that was to make, that was kind of to simplify people's thought process around mocking where you're just faking and then asserting that certain things were called. Uh, And it's simpler to implement than mocking for us under the hood. But yeah, there's still a little bit going forward. Like one in 5.5 I'd like to solve is if I have an email say like a mailable object it's a little tricky to test the html output of that email to say like okay i built this email and i want to make sure it contains this link sort of like sort of like a dusk style test for your email is a little Mm -hmm. hard to pull off right now it's possible but it's it's not that great so i'd like to improve that for 5.5 because that's really one of the only other kind of spots I can think of that's a little tricky to test right now out of the box as far as the fr- core framework features. Sure. Um, so hopefully we can crack that for 5.5. I did notice that in, I think even in 5.3 now, you have the ability to do like, I think it's mail fake, right? You do mail fake and then you can make assertions against uh, who it was sent to and that sort of stuff. Yep. Previous to that, I was using mail thief. Uh, right, yeah. which was kind of released for 5.2. And in 5.3, I know there was like a lot of discussion. I was talking to Adam. We had him on the show, uh, our other show. And we're talking about, you know, 5.3 had released. And I said, our, our mailable class is going to break this this you know testing tool that you've built. And I think they found some workarounds for it. I know Titan Co. was working on doing some things. But in the newest app that I've been working on, I, I haven't even had to pull it in yet because I've been able to do everything that I need to do with sort of these mail fake uh tests yeah so. and mail thief was the inspiration for mail fake like i had i had messaged matt at titan and said i really want to bring mail thief style testing into the core but i want to do it for events and jobs and the command bus and notifications as well and i did i actually did it on the plane over to amsterdam actually i think is when i wrote sort of the first iteration of that mail fake for mailables 
but yeah, that that was definitely an inspiration because I thought Mail Thief was a really cool way to test email and definitely something that was a lot easier than what we had out of the box. Yeah, it seems to work really well. And it was, you know, saved me from having to pull in one more package. So yeah, it it's, works great. I wanted to go back to a couple of things real quickly here. Though, so you said you you basically went through all of the code for the entire code base and just gave it a once over and just kind of cleaned it all up. And you had posted that blog post just kind of referencing when you had been working with your grandfather mm-hmm. and you know cleaning off the underside of the lawnmower kind of thing. Which, consequently, before before you had posted that, like the week before, I'd seen some old guy in his driveway like literally had his lawnmower and had flipped up the you know had flipped it over sideways and sprayed. I was like, what the heck is this dude doing? Is he gonna have to mow his lawn again next week? You know, I was like. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But it almost reminds me of I'm not sure if you've read any of the Steve Steve Jobs biographies or anything like that. Yeah, I have a little and kind bit. Of how, yeah. yeah, how he talks about I'm trying to remember if it was like a cabinet or something that they were making or insides whatever. Of the drawers or something like that. The, yeah. yeah, that's right. Something like that. The, the insides of the drawers, like the attention to detail is important. Right. And, and even when he was building their first computers, you know, he was so particular about the way the inside looked like he was even concerned about how the circuit boards were laid out because like he he just didn't like the way that it looked and so he made him change it or whatever mm-hmm. uh, i just i found that pretty it, it was pretty similar right i kind of could draw yeah. the line between how steve jobs had, had said those sort of things or or used that methodology and really kind of what you were trying to accomplish there yeah it's an interesting spectrum because like on one hand there are people that need to pay more attention to detail and open source. And on the other hand, there are people that are crippled by attention to detail or paralyzed by, I don't, I can't release this because I don't feel like it's perfect yet. So it's always like this razor thin line to walk of getting things clean versus letting it just paralyze sort of analysis paralysis. They call it, you know, of just analyzing it forever. That's me for sure. Once I got a file to the even if I felt the first feeling of, okay, this looks okay. Like if that thought entered my brain the first time, I just closed the file because like, otherwise I'm going to be stuck in it forever. Yeah. Good point. Awesome. So, and, and going on from, you mentioned a little bit earlier as well on, um, having the community contributions, do you find that, that that tends to, I mean, obviously you were getting a lot of new features added um, to the framework, small small ones and big ones. And I mean, some of those contributions led to Laravel taking on its first full-time employee. Um, does, this, does this give you more time, I guess, to focus on, on the bigger picture and, and more new features or does it just end up giving you more things that you need to review and give it once over? It's definitely a net positive where I have more time there are the contributions I've been picking up recently and, and right around releases are always heavy um, for contributions. But the nice thing about having, you know, Muhammad on board is he can sort of really take the lead on Spark. He can really look at all the GitHub issues, whereas I, I don't really have time to browse through all of them and kind of kind of triage and find like what's what issues might we want to focus on, you know, in the near term um, or even, you know, what are the emergencies Uh, that we need to focus on but him being able to you know get spark ready for 5.4 you know uh, make sure lumen is ready for 5.4 all that other stuff and kind of lets me focus on sort of the core like the heart of laravel really instead of always kind of have being pulled 10 different directions with you know we Mm -hmm. have quite a few packages now so it, it helps with that a lot i can also like if a pull request comes in that i don't really have time to like 
pull down and check it out and make sure it works okay i can ask you know i can ask uh muhammad hey can you check out this pr make sure it make sure it does what it says on the on the label or whatever and mm-hmm. works okay and that saves me a lot of time uh really so i've had a, lots of time to work on the framework and whatever else i want to work on uh recently yeah because this is the first release that you've had full like another full-time helper pretty yeah. much right mm-hmm. that's right yeah, yeah. You had talked about, you know, the fact that Laravel has a lot of packages. The one thing that I noticed is that you guys pulled out Tinker into its own, would you call it a package? Yeah, it's its own okay. package, yeah. Is that a Laravel? I mean, I know, you know, obviously PHP artisan Tinker, whatever. We use that all the time. Is that is that built on top of something else that's in existence? Or is that literally you, you built that from the ground up? No, it's built on top of the shell called... Uh Psy sh i guess you would call it p s y s h um and yeah that that basically is the 99 percent of the whole experience and then we added stuff for properly formatting eloquent models for properly formatting like the ioc container if you dump it out i don't even really remember the details of why that was made its own package i mean it's included in laravel by default like in the laravel laravel repository it's listed in the dependencies out of the box so it's (laughs) it's still really there i think there was some sort of php parser which is one of the dependencies is is i don't know graham campbell was sort of uh, in charge of making that a package and it sort of helped us with dependency conflicts at the framework level uh, from what i remember Anyway. Okay. Yeah, that was that was what I was curious about. Is I didn't I didn't know if there was a specific reason why it was pulled out into its own. It's one of my favorite things ever. I use yeah, it all the time. Graham is sort of a composer wizard and knows. It, <laughs> he thought it was advantageous for us versioning wise to pull that out into its own package. But I'll have to ask him to refresh my memory of why. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of packages, you've been teasing a little bit on Twitter the last week or two about this new project that you're working on, Horizon. Do yeah, you have any yeah. uh, any clues for us? Do you have a release target in mind? Is it going to be standalone or is it going for for five five? Uh, right now, I'm building it on top of five point four. I haven't had to add anything, you know, to the framework to make it possible. With Horizon, I I can't really tease anything because I don't know like if it will even uh, materialize. You know, like sometimes I go off on these big experiments that might last like a, a week or two. And they end up just getting trashed. Like the first version of Dusk, I think I've mentioned before, is built on was built on Nightwatch JS. It wasn't even in PHP. Mm-hmm. And I spent like two weeks building it in job, pure JavaScript, and then was like, "This is like <laughs> kind of garbage," and yeah, just like no. had to trash it all. So I mean, the same thing could happen with Horizon. Like so far, I just take it kind of a day at a time. Like I haven't hit any roadblocks that would make it not possible. So I just kind of keep going. Sure. Uh, but I'm targeting, you know, the summer, like Laracon. I would like to show it at Laracon if it's done. If if it's not done, I'll have to come up with some something else and, and hopefully something <laughs> materializes. I'm, but I'm, I'm sure you will. Yeah. And speaking of Laracon, tickets just sold out yesterday, right? Yeah, which is crazy. Um, that is crazy. Super cra- The fastest we've ever sold out. I think it, they've only been on sale for a couple months, really, since December. Um, it's going to be very crowded. <laughs> I think I've, I'll, I actually left 10 empty seats, you know, just just so we have like a, up front at least a place to like set the uh, blogger or any videographer or whatever. But other than that, like every seat will be filled in the wow. whole theater. That's insane. I mean, what was the what was the sell rate for like last year? Because I mean, it was busy. I mean, yeah, I we, think you guys did you sell out? No, we didn't sell out. We sold five hundred and fifty tickets, uh, but that theater held six hundred and twenty. 
Um, so there were actually 70 empty seats in the theater. Um, so this venue actually holds 500. So we're actually going to have 50 less people than yeah. 20. Uh, what is it? 2016. But it was just, it was just the right venue. It just happened to not have, you know, quite as many seats, but still a pretty, a pretty good time. I think pretty, pretty good amount of people. It's New York. <laughs> yeah. Exciting to have it back in New York. That'll be pretty cool. The first, I think, let me think. Yeah, the first one I went to is in New York and then two Louisville's and then back to New York. So that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool for everyone except for those traveling from Australia who have to go to the other side of the United States. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have a West Coast one eventually. Yeah, I looked into San San Diego. I looked into it for this year, but it just didn't come together. Yeah, eventually. Who knows? I mean, the weather in San Diego, I've only been over there one time, but I always like to tell this experience. It was because it was so crazy to me. The hotel we stayed at was the entire front of it was just all glass and they had these massive sliding doors, but they were never closed. These huge sliding doors were just never closed because it was like it was climate controlled outside. You know, they <laughs> never had to change the temperature. Like the temperature that it was outside was the temperature that you would want it all the time. It was amazing. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. So maybe, maybe we'll get over there eventually sometime. I wanted to ask you, I think one of the last pieces we'll ask you real quick and then we'll let you get on with your day and, and we'll dig into talking about the rest of the 5-4 details we haven't gotten to on here. You mentioned the paginate and how that was kind of gave you some challenges. Was there anything, like any feature that you worked on for 5-4 that you can say like this was my biggest challenge or this was an interesting problem I ran into when we were dealing with this? Hmm. There wasn't... I mean, Dusk presented kind of a series of challenges, um, but none of them felt super impossible at the time so you know overall it was a pretty straightforward release actually the last few days before the release i didn't i didn't really do anything because it was ready to go Um, which is which is unlike previous releases where really we were you know scrambling hard until the very day of release but no i don't remember anything that was just really hard to crack you know with dusk i wanted to make it real easy to um, to install and get started out of the box. And that was sort of the biggest hurdle I wanted to get over where I can just install the package, run Artisan Dusk, and it just magically works. You know, I don't have to install Selenium or go to the Java developer kit page and download a JDK or whatever the other tools typically make you do. I wanted to just pop open Chrome, start testing, and it works. Um, so, you know, figuring all that out was was probably probably the biggest challenge overall because I had never really had a ton of experience with Selenium, um, and I just sort of had to dive in head first and figure it out. But so when you're doing Dusk, will it actually will open up your Chrome browser? Right. Yeah. Or and or multiple windows, like if you're doing the socket testing, yeah. which is so cool, by the way. That's incredible. Yeah. And when I was I was looking through some of the documentation for Dusk and getting it set up, and I was just trying to wrap my head around like, okay. How is it that, you know, because is it using Selenium? Yes. It's just using a different driver. It's, it's using, not using yeah, a .jar file. It's using file like a Selenium compatible standalone Chrome driver. I envisioned it as almost like a series of breakthroughs for you. It must have been like, okay, this is how I want it to work. Now I need to figure out how I can have that happen. And because there's like the Facebook PHP thing that, that mm-hmm. interacts with Selenium or whatever. And then there's the whole Chrome, uh, you know, driver sort of things. And then trying to get those all to wire together. I was like, man, like it was a lot of work put into that, just trying to get it to, to work in a way that it was sane without having to do any other installations other than just pull the package in. So it's really cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you. Yeah, we're really excited to uh, get 5.4 out and, well, not get it out, but uh, get it installed on my computer and, and put a project on there. So 
a lot of fun stuff to work with. Michael, any parting words, my friend? Uh, yeah, last last one, Taylor. What what really drives you to just keep working hard? Like I remember when five point three came out, you you sort of made it seem like this was this was the pinnacle, and you couldn't possibly come up with something to top it. And now going through the change log for five point four, there is a lot. There is a lot that has happened in five point four, and you're already ready to crack on with five five. What like yeah? What what just keeps you going all the time? I don't, it's like, as I approach each release at the end of it, I always feel like this is it. Like I have no more ideas, you know, and this is sort of the end of sort of improvements to Laravel, (laughs) but then always somehow just like something materializes. And I think this time it just happened to materialize a little bit earlier than usual. Like with 5.3, I got 5.3 out and like, I don't, I don't really remember doing a lot for a while, like a few months until, um, you know, I, I know Adam had kind of mentioned he wanted to be able to use the notification templates, but just for regular emails. You know, he had bugged me about that for a while. And so he was the one that kind of spurred the, the, the markdown email and just using the notification components and the email thing. Because that wasn't even my original, uh, one of my original ideas. But this time with 5.4, like I had the whole Horizon idea in my head before 5.4 ever came out. And so I was just ready to hit the ground running. But after Horizon, I really am out of ideas again, like it's over <laughs> again. So I'll have to start, you know, I'll have to wait and just trust that something will show up. <laughs> I was, uh, I remember that being one of the things I was really excited about with the, uh, that you talked about at Laracon 2016 was the out of the box responsive email templates that the notifications were going to use, which is really cool. So is there any way, I guess that is a question is because I really wanted just like the responsiveness and the fact that it was going to deliver well and I didn't have to write some crazy email template. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what the whole purpose of using the markdown in, in email was? I mean, do you yeah. get some of that same stuff? Yeah, you get the in, exact same stuff. Like if, do you? I mean, okay. I wasn't aware of that. That's pretty it, cool. It's the exact same, you know, buttons and, and all that is shared between notifications and markdown email and so what actually happens is in 5.4 when you send a notification it's using the markdown email under the hood like that's really the bottom layer and notifications now sits on top of that and what's what's also nice is with the markdown email you can export all of those components like there's a button component a panel component and there's only a few but stuff like that you export them to your app and you can customize those and not only can you customize them, but it also exports a CSS file. And when you edit that CSS file, Laravel takes care through a, through a package of inlining all of that CSS into the HTML for you. Because, you know, when you send emails, as you probably know, a lot of the styles yeah. have to be inlined and yep. all that stuff. So you can edit that one CSS file or even share a CSS file like a theme with other people and pull it in and it will inline it all for you. So... Yeah, that was sort of the goal behind Markdown Mail was being able to get all that responsive, easy to use stuff in all of your email, not just notifications. I didn't look into that enough because that may be my new favorite feature. (laughs) Yeah, you should should play with it. Just do make mail and then do the dash dash Markdown and give it a view name and and send one to like MailTrap or something like that. Okay, I'm really excited about that right now. We're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna say goodbye on the show, and then me and Michael are gonna take a break, and we're gonna mess with that and we'll come back. <laughs> oh, that's incredible! I'm really excited about that. Thanks for doing that. That's uh, pretty cool. And I, I suppose it's interesting to, as you're talking about these features, it's interesting how many of the features that 5.4 comes with 
are related to that, right? So like the whole components thing and components uh, and slots are what made that even possible, you know, to even do markdown mail and components and slots is such a crazy thing because like it was poor. It wasn't even my idea. It was poor requested by someone and they had it sort of halfway to what it is now. Like they had the whole, um, they had components, but they didn't have name slots and, and stuff like that. I looked at their pull request. It was like, this is very similar to views components and slots and then it was just yeah. like the light bulb went off where it was like oh we could really do something cool with this where yeah we could have these reusable blade components and now it feels like i don't even know how we went so long without them is how i feel now because they're so nice for certain situations especially like the markdown mail stuff yeah yeah so, someone's gonna have it's, to register laravel components.com <laughs> no, yeah. yeah yeah it's like it's like listening to a good comedian you know when they say something funny it's like, oh my word, like that's hilarious, but I've never thought about that. It's like a common everyday occurrence and you're yeah. like, why haven't I ever thought about that? It makes so much sense that that's funny. It's the same thing with like these components. Like once you see it, it's so common sense, you're like, how do we live without that? Like how would I ever not have that now? I know, yeah. And we had talked about that on the previous Laravel News podcast. Yeah. It was, you know, that components is pretty cool. In one of the, or a couple of the videos that I'd watched, I guess my initial mindset was that the slots would be replacing kind of the variables that you would pass in almost as props to components, but that's not necessarily the case. You can use them both in in unison, right? So you yeah. have a component that you're pulling onto the page and you can pass it some props, just like yeah. comma, and then you know pass your little array of props essentially, and then you can have your named slots in mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah. So like you said, it's very much like Vue, uh, feels very familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on this morning, taking some time out to talk with us. Super excited to get our hands on 5.4, and uh, thanks for all the work you put into it. And this podcast obviously would not exist without Laravel, so thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. See you all later. All right, yep. Cheers. Yeah. All right, so the rest of the episode here, we have a long list of things that are coming in 5.4. Actually, they aren't coming in 5.4. They've been released with 5.4 that we're going to talk through. We are definitely not going to get through every feature that was released or the entire changelog. It's just way too large. So we've just picked a couple things to talk about here. And uh, Michael, you want to start us off with giving us a friendly service announcement about an error that you might run into if you're coming from a previous version of Laravel? Yeah, um, I had this one came through that I, I bumped into it myself um, on Sunday night before 5.4 came out as I was playing around with some packages. Basically what this one is, is related to MySQL and Laravel 5.4 now switching to the UTF-8 multibyte character set by default. So it may affect applications that are upgraded if you're using multibyte strings, but it will definitely affect new applications unless you are running MySQL 5.7.7 or newer or MariaDB 10.2.2, I think it was from memory. So basically what this is, is because we're now using multibyte strings, um, which gives you support for non-standard, so Unicode characters. Like emojis. Like emojis, yeah, that's the big selling point. (laughs) It basically takes up more of the key space, I believe. So default character strings in older versions, or sorry, the default character strings for a varchar is 255. So because of the multibyte string on earlier versions of MySQL and Maria, you need to change that value to 191. So we'll link it up in the show notes how, how to address this issue unless you're able to upgrade your versions of MySQL or MariaDB. Um, and there are configuration options you can use to then fix it up. 
I'm wondering if it's because, okay, so if those, if it takes up more of the character space, if that's what you called it, each character is going to be more bytes, right? Yeah. So if by default it was, what was it before, 255 or something? Yeah. Yeah. So if each character takes up a little more space, then it would, I guess it would make sense that you would have to set the default string length to 191, a little bit less, right? Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, that's uh, helpful for any of you who are running into that error coming from a previous install, or again, depending on what your version of your database you're running is. Uh, okay, another thing that Laravel 5.4 includes is two new middlewares. So Eric put out a post about this last week, I think. And the first one that he mentioned is the trim middleware. So if you enable that, it will take any input values that are coming through in your request, and it will trim the white space off of the beginning and the end. This is something that you may have had to do manually before. So if you were grabbing addresses or email addresses or names or things like that, let's say for instance, like an email address maybe, if they accidentally put a space at the beginning or put a space at the end, it may confuse your validator and say, nope, this is not a valid email because you know it's got an extra space on the end. So instead of having to manually trim and then do your validation, you can put this trim middleware onto the route that you need to use it on or include it in your global middlewares and it will trim all of the inputs that come through. In that same vein, there is a, I don't know if it's a nullable, I'm trying to remember what it's called here, let me look. So there's a trim strings middleware and then there is convert empty strings to null. Now, Michael, I know this hits close to home for you <laughs> and this is actually how you and I first met is you made a package called the nullable fields package, which does essentially this, yeah. where you on the model, you specify these are the fields that are nullable. Yep. And when it comes through, it will like basically check to see, are these fields blank strings? And if they are, convert them to null. This does it in a middleware. Is this the nullable fields package killer? I don't know. I, I updated to make sure that the package I had was compatible. So it's still there for anyone that yeah. wants to use it. I think this is this is happening higher up the stack. So yes. Yeah, it's happening on the, at the request level instead of at like the creation of a model level. Yeah, there's probably still value in um, basically taking those because the, the empty strings will still come in to the request. So this is just a matter of taking those empty strings and then and switching them to null, I guess, in when you're saving them. Yeah, yeah. So to not not just to make sure we're not causing confusion here, the middleware will take the request and before you even get the request, it will convert anything that is a blank string to a null value. Yeah. And then Michael's, what his does is it will basically, at the point that you are saving your model, so it'll, it looks for the saving event, and it looks through all of the attributes that are being passed to the model, and it will nullify them if they're blank strings. And you've set it in your nullable field on the model. So there's that. Anyway, these look like they're gonna be really extremely helpful. It takes the manual portion out of trimming and making these strings null, which is pretty handy. So thanks for that, guys. All right, so the next next feature may prove to be slightly controversial in the in the greater PHP community, and that is automatic facades. So we all we all know and love facades, basically allowing us to access class names by a static interface. So it's basically doing a, a new in the background and then giving you basically static access to those public methods. So they're more proxies than anything else. In Laravel 5.4, there's a new feature that essentially allows you to take any class and access it via a facade using some clever reflection of the of the class itself and then figuring out that you want to 
wrap that up in a facade and use it statically. It's a pretty clever way of doing it. I had a, I had a bit of a poke through the code yesterday. I don't know how often it will get used, but for the cases that it does, um, it'll it'll certainly shortcut. If you're doing inline things where you're basically doing a new and then calling a single method on it straight away, this will certainly come in handy there. Yeah. So w- one example that I came across was using um, the parse down library to convert Markdown into HTML. This made that really easy. Right. And it's interesting how you said that basically that this would replace something where you were newing up a class and then just pulling a method right off the end of that. I probably would tend to do that though, instead of this automatic facade stuff. That's just me. (laughs) Adam's going to hate my guts, right? But I don't know. I'm sure if I was to talk to the guys who responsible for that pull request and and pulling that in, they would probably be able to give me good reasons for why it'd be better to use it that way. But yeah, I... To me, I guess I would probably feel more comfortable just using the new and then and then pulling the method off the end there. But that's just me. Anyway, it's a cool feature in any case. The only the thing that would be handy is if it allowed me to make facade assertions in my tests, mm-hmm. if I was using it as a facade in the controller. So if I had a class that I wanted to make a quick assertion against, right? So you can, if you use mail colon colon send in your test, you can say mail should receive send yeah and it just mocks that mail class if that would do that for me in my tests i might actually use it more often yeah so if in my controller i was i had something just some class that i wanted to make an assertion against and if i used this automatic facade thing if in my test i could say my custom class should receive build once i would definitely use it more often yeah and maybe maybe it will i'm not sure we probably need to do a little bit more checking into that we'll get back to you on on if that's how that works next episode Okay, another piece that we have that is a pretty large change is that Laravel Elixir will be renamed to Laravel Mix. And the big change that's happening there is that previously it was using Gulp and Browserify and things like that. And now it's basically been completely rewritten to use Webpack. So I've done a little bit of reading on this this week. I'm still sort of fuzzy as to what the big, huge differences are between Gulp and Webpack. Basically, what I understand is that they're both task runners, right? But that Webpack can bundle using common JS syntax and Gulp has to rely on Browserify or other Gulp plugins in order to be able to do that, right? And Webpack can just use straight NPM scripts. Does that make sense? Help me out here. Yeah, I think that's roughly what it is. I, no- I note that um, the documentation for installing Mix explicitly says that you need to use NPM. Um, and I found you can't use yarn. Yeah, and I found right. yeah, I found that when I was playing around with it, if you use yarn to install uh, your dependencies with Mix, it just doesn't work. And I think I saw somewhere Jeffrey tweeted that there was some bug within Webpack that that was being addressed, or yarn, I think that that was being addressed for that. So yeah, I think it was yarn. It had something to do with the binaries or where it puts binaries yeah. when you're installing Node modules. So yeah, be be cautious of that. Make sure that you are using npm. Unfortunately, you're going to have to slip back to using NPM to install for the time being. Yeah, that's a bummer, but... Just also going back to the automatic facades, I was just having a look at Taylor's announcement where it will work for classes that have constructors, but you will need to bind them into the container for that to work properly. Got it. Yep, that makes sense. Next thing we wanted to talk about was using Markdown for your emails. So we talked about this with Taylor a little bit here. 
So in 5.3, we were introduced to notifications, which my favorite thing about those is that they gave you a responsive template for emails right out of the box, which was pretty incredible. And as Taylor had mentioned, Adam had been bothering him to be able to use those in mailables. And so in 5.4, we have that. And in your mailable, you just call this markdown and then pass in the blade templates that you, that you would use. So like emails.thanks, and then you know it assumes .blade.php on the end. And then you can just write your markdown in there and you can include any of the components that they've written that work for notifications as well. Like there's button, there's footer, there's header, there's layout. There's a bunch of different ones. There's a post out here on Laravel News that explains all of it and has a really a couple of really good examples. Um, and another piece which was really interesting is the ability to use tables, which is awesome. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. So if you've never written tables in Markdown before, it's uh, an interesting experience but you can use them in your email really easily here, which is really cool. It's one of the components that's included that they're using for these Markdown emails. So check that out if you, if you haven't looked at that yet. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, really excited to give it a try. So that's another cool thing. Might be my, my favorite 5.4 feature. <laughs> in addition to these components and stuff, because really those are used pretty heavily in here. Yeah, so that's for awesome. sure. So as part of the Laravel 5.4, We've also got two new, two new reasonably significant improvements that are coming to routing. The first one is route caching. So there's been a bit of an overhaul behind the scenes, which will allow matching on large applications. Um, so it'll just help speeding, speed up matching of those applications as you're going through different, different routes there. So in the context of these fixes, we're, we're talking something that's a thousand or more routes. So previously the route caching would be fine until you reached about a thousand routes and then it started to slow down a bit these improvements will help you out if you're building applications of that size the other improvement that we've got is fluent registration of routes so we had this uh in laravel 5.3 jake yeah yeah i think so where you could append on to the end previously what it would be is you would have to specify in an array when you were calling your route so you'd say route colon colon get and then the first thing you'd pass in would be an array and you'd have like middleware or prefix or whatever, or if you were using a, gro- uh, a route group, that's how you'd have to do it. But this may this makes it a little bit easier. In 5.3, you could put on the end arrow middleware or arrow prefix and do it that way. But 5.4 handles a little bit differently. Yeah, so with 5.3, you had to add these different method names in a specific order. So you had to start with the get. With 5.4, you can basically put these in any order, I believe. So that makes declaring them a little bit easier. Yeah, if you wanted to have the name of the route that you were giving it at the beginning, you could do that now. So instead of having to say route get or route post or route patch or whatever, you can say route name and then give it the name. And then after that, do your arrow get, arrow post, arrow whatever. So pretty cool that you can that you can really just pass it in any way you want, which is why they call it fluent, fluent syntax, right? Absolutely. So pretty cool. As a as a kind of a going back to that route caching, you'd want to make sure that you are using that as a build step. Yeah. Right. So when you're deploying, if you're using something like Envoyer, you can use that as like a deployment hook. You can say after the release has been created, but before it gets activated, do a new route cache on that, and that should update your routes just to make sure you're not getting any old old routes yep. there. So it's just something to be aware of. You'd want to handle that in production. 
Uh, we also have JSON-based language files, which if you've ever tried to do internationalization of a site, this can be sort of a pain. Now, Laravel has handled it in a very sane way in the past where you essentially would have these language files, and I think you would just do like en.php, and they would almost remind you of what a config might look like. So in your en.php, you would specify a key at the beginning where you would say something like welcome text. And then after that, you would have what the actual welcome text would equal. And then if you were translating it to Japanese, you'd have a jp.php. And it would include the same array. You would have the same keys that you were using, but the obviously the translation on the other side would be different. So you can imagine as you're looking through, if there's an entire site that's been internationalized, what you end up having is a bunch of spots where text would normally be, where it just says, you know, translate, and then it just has a key welcome text. That can be kind of challenging because you can't see what's actually being said there, right? So we have in Laravel 5.4, they switched this out to be instead of arrays, you can have these JSON-based language files. So in a previous version, you'd say trans, and then you'd give the, the keys that you would use to reference that, that translation. But in this, uh, now you can just say basically, I think it's underscore, underscore, and then paren, and then you pass through the texts that you would use. So if my welcome text was, thanks for checking out my site, let me know if you have any feedback, whatever, that would end up being the key for your translation. So it's a little bit difficult to explain without being able to show you code right in front of your face. There is a post out there. If this is something that you're having to use on your website, it would definitely be worth giving a check. And Mohammed, I think, did a lot of work on this. So thanks to Mohammed. I, we have a site that we work on at the uh, place I work on Fridays, and they have to use the translation stuff extensively in Laravel. So I'm gonna be passing this along and uh, giving it to them, and I think it'll be pretty darn useful. Yeah. There's a lot of people all across the world using Laravel, so there is a big market for people that need the ability to translate it and making it easier, which is you know a common occurrence with Laravel is making things easier for developers. This this should be a welcome change to those folks. Absolutely, like it's, it's really like one of those things where you're you're gonna have to look at it to yeah. to to know. It's really it's really kind of difficult to explain without having it in, in front of you to see it. It makes sense the second you look at it, but um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, I think for the, for me, like the biggest plus on it is it literally just, it's going to be way easier to read when you're looking at it. You just see exactly what it is that you're trying to say. Yeah. And you just do underscore, underscore paren and then pass in the key. So it looks a lot better. Okay. Components and slots. We've talked about that a little bit. Michael, you've been using them recently. Tell me what your experience has been like. I love them. I think they're fantastic. As as Taylor noted, they're they're basically a port in from what what we have in view. Um, the way that components and slots are structured there. So basically, you can define, I guess, a skeleton for what a piece of your page would look like. So you might have a panel. So you'd have a panel component, and that would have a slot for the heading, a slot for the body. And then from within your main template, you could basically include the component and pass in either as as an array into the component keyed by the variable the, the slot names, uh, or you can you can actually name the slots f- within that code that is that is making the call. And then of course you've got the default slot which you can would place in 
the body of your of your panel component, for example. So um, I've actually been using them quite a bit on, on my own site in the last few days. And um, once you figure out when you should and shouldn't use them, I think they're fantastic. So um, I can see myself using them in the future a lot. You're not going to hurt yourself if you overuse them either, really. I mean, it's not like you're going to get, it's not going to damage anything if you use them and you're like, ah, oh, should I use it here or yeah. not? If you want to use it, just use it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be totally fine. All of your blade files are going to be compiled down anyway. So yep. it's it's not like you're going to take a performance hit for doing it this way. Right. It's more like a mental model thing. Yep. Right? If it makes more sense for you to use them as components, then go for it. And it's going to, yeah, it's not going to hurt you at all. It's pretty cool. Really excited about using those. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'm really excited about excited about is higher order messaging for collections. So I'm going to, instead of trying to come up with an example that's better than Eric's because Eric's is really good, I'm kind of just going to use his. So if you're going through and you have a, let's say you uh, go to your database and you grab all the employees and you want to reject any employees that are retired. And then once you've got all those employees that are retired out of your list, you want to send a payment to all of those employees that are left. What you would have had to do previously is you'd have to say employees and then you would, uh, on that collection, you would call a reject method. And into that reject method, you'd have to pass an anonymous function, which can accept an employee as an argument. And then inside there, you would say return employee. And then on that object, you would have a retired method, okay? Or a retired uh, property, either way, one or the other. And it really does work for both. So imagine that's the case. You have a retired property on your employee. You need to go through and any of them where retired is true, you need to reject those. What you would have done is you would have said employees reject on that, whatever we just talked about. Now what you have the option of doing is you just say employees and instead of having to say uh, reject and then pass that closure and then do that retired, you can just say employees arrow reject arrow retired it will accept that employee that it would have taken as an argument and allow you to call methods on that straight in the collection. And then the same thing if like after you have all those rejected, the next thing that you do is you would say each, you pass a closure or an anonymous function, whatever, it accepts an employee. And then on that employee for each one of those, you would call the send payment method. Instead of having to do that again, you could just say each arrow send payment. So instead of having to pass through that closure, and then pass in the value and then call a method on that object, you can just straight inline those calls, which makes it incredibly clean and very easy to read. I can see how this would trip up some people who haven't seen it before. If you had some junior devs on your team or people who were not aware of this new feature in 5.4 and they were just looking at it, I could see how this might be a little bit confusing for them. But after you've got your head around it and used it a couple of times, I think you'll find it incredibly useful and it will make your code look very pretty. Yeah. So I think Farik had something to do with that, didn't he? Um, no. Fra no? I, I normally like Frack? pronouncing names, Freak? but this one's, this one's going to trip me up, I'm sure. I apologize in, in advance, but it's, I guess, Franz Liedke. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, he... He put in the the pull request a little while ago to get the um, the functionality pulled in, um, and and here we are. Obviously, it's come in. So, yeah, as you say, it's it'll probably trip up people who aren't too familiar with collections. I think it's it's a logical step for those who are already using collections in their code, which is I think fairly common within Laravel, but. For anyone new to the framework or new to that style of development, they'll they'll have to 
sit down and learn collections. I'd, I'd advise them to learn the, how their collections work first. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, and also it's important to note that it's that it's only it's only a handful of methods that this works on as well. It's not the entire bag of of collection methods. Um, so there's I think what filter reject each map sum sort by and sort by descending. So yep. things to keep in mind. Yep, it's limited to those. Yep, good point. Good point. And I would uh, agree, Michael, that if you don't know collections very well, feel free to pick up a copy of Adam Wathen's book, Refactoring to Collections. It's a great introduction to collections. It goes literally from knowing nothing all the way to using them for practically everything, which is what I do these days. So yeah, check those out. Great to use. Laravel Dusk is next. Michael, talk to us about that. Yeah. So we talked a bit about this with, with Taylor a little bit earlier. So we probably won't go into too much detail, but definitely check out the blog post on the site for this. It's it's essentially a nicer way to write end-to-end tests for within Laravel. So previously, Laravel used Symfony's browser kit to simulate basically being a user clicking through the site and filling out forms and submitting them. But it didn't work with JavaScript rendered on the page because it it didn't have the ability to wait because it wasn't rendering the actual page. It was simulating the render of the page. So now that front-end is starting to become more popular and a lot of people are starting to use things like Vue and React and, and whatever else, for you to be able to test those components, we basically went back to opening the browser, clicking, clicking, filling out forms, making sure everything worked whilst we were doing a nice TDD flow for our backend. So Dusk helps to close that gap, obviously, making the whole end-to-end browser testing process much more, I guess, Laravel-like in that it's expressive methods, it's easy to follow. It makes sense to, you know, to write those tests like that. And as we said earlier on, it's probably going to be something that you do once you've finalized what your UI looks like. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that's really nice that we talked about and touched on just briefly is the ability to test that your events that are getting broadcast and either sent to Echo or that you're manually handling with Pusher. So as a for instance, we've created an application here where let's say that there's a, and actually we're on Todoist right now, you and I, this is a good example. Michael's looking at the page, I'm looking at the page, and when he clicks check for we've talked about that thing, it automatically updates on my side that that was checked. So you can imagine the only way that you would really be able to test that would be to open up two browser windows and to go ahead and in the one check something and then in the other one check to make sure and check is a bad word here (laughs) assert that the other window also had that same checkbox that it received the message and that it handled it so that was one of those things that was really difficult how do you ever test that right but laravel dusk has solved that laravel dusk allows you to open up multiple browsers and then make assertions against each one so you can say in browser window one check this checkbox in browser window two uh, assert that that checkbox was also checked. So it's pretty interesting. Um, solve some problems that I was, I had given up on that there was ever <laughs> going to be an automated way to do that. So yeah, very cool. Leading on from that, we're doing this this spotlight on cool projects and, and cool things that the folks are doing out there in, in the Laravel community. And leading on from Dusk, as I mentioned, was this project that came out of nowhere from Jordan Dalton. And what he'd basically done was use Laravel Dusk to set up a, a tool or a, a script that basically automatically will make monthly payments. So For his utility bill. Yeah. For his utility bill. Yeah, that's right. For his utility bill. So 
I don't think this is something that Taylor would have thought about when he was building Dusk. And, you know, it, everything that anyone has ever built ever has always found a, re- a purpose other than what it was intended for, right? So, yeah. I mean, I wanted to talk about cornflakes, but I don't think we can talk about cornflakes. <laughs> if you know the history of cornflakes, you'll know that cornflakes was not originally, it was not created as a breakfast cereal. So, we'll leave that up to you if you want to look that up. So, um, Jordan is basically... I did not know the, that. What was that? Sorry? I didn't know that. I did not know that okay. piece of trivia. You look it up. <laughs> Jordan uses Automator on macOS as an, and an Apple script with his Mac calendar app and basically very simply, like it's it's one class on the PHP side um, and that will log into his utility provider. It will go to a certain page. It will go and make sure that he's got the correct address, that it, he tries to make a payment with his credit card details and then he gets basically a screenshot of the payment page. And all of this so cool. is like 15 lines of code with, with Laravel Dusk. Um, so, you know, you can use it to test your applications. You can use it to pay you, your utility bills. Look, congratulations to you, Jordan. That, that's a little bit of ingenuity. It's just some incredible things that people do out there in the Laravel f- community. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Where they didn't have an API or they didn't have the ability to make a monthly payment for his utilities, he just made one, which... And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, I'm going to do that. Like I have a couple sites where they don't have monthly, you can't do auto pay, uh, like the town that we live in with the town of normal. Yes, <laughs> normal. They, you know, to pay your utility bill, like your water bill or whatever, they don't have a way to say, yeah, pay for this monthly. So I might do that. I might take a page from Jordan's book and go ahead and uh, modify his scripts to handle my stuff. Pretty cool. Paying utility bills as a service. I mean, have we come to this? Yeah. This is craziness. These people just need to make us, allow us to pay monthly. Well, I think we are out of talking points for 5.4. We, there is, believe me, a ton more that we could talk about, but I think this is going to hit the high points. And of course, thank you to Eric Barnes for all of the amazing work he does to put blog posts out there for these, for to support our ramblings on this show. So we will link all of these up in the show notes. For almost everything we've talked about here, Eric has a great post on Laravel News explaining it in more detail and giving you code samples. So I would highly suggest that you take a look at those show notes, click through, and take a little bit of time to read those blog posts. Yeah, and we'll, we'll link up the, the changelog as well. There is well over 100 commits that have gone into just the 5, 5.4.0 release, and there's already been six patch releases since, since launch, what, four days ago, so... Yeah, it's nice to know that active development continues. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to Michael and I's first Laravel News podcast. The show notes for this episode will be at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 30. If you have any feedback you'd like to give, you can hit us up on Twitter at Laravel News. We look forward to getting some of your questions and being able to answer those on the next episode. Michael, it's always a great time talking to you. Thanks, Jake. Thanks so much. Yep. Bye-bye. Yeah. have to uh, refer to me as Mr. Barnes. Mr. Barnes. Mr. Barnes. <laughs>